This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Regretsville, uh, hosted by Soren and Joss. I'm Jesse and I'm Tracy, and we have a wonderful guest for you today, Joanna Hausman. Hello, hello everybody. I got to give you, uh, <laughs> I got to give you a little bio. I got to do a little background do to it. Joanna. Do it. So Joanna is a Venezuelan American comedian, writer, and actor who gained popularity through her YouTube videos that tackle identity, Latino culture, and language. Very true. Wow, 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 wow. Very wow. true. And her viral creations have garnered over forty million views and have That's been featured. Lot. It's a lot. That's a lot of views. It's so many. She's been featured in places like CNN, The Huffington Post, BuzzFeed, NPR, and BBC. Joanna is the correspondent on Netflix's upcoming series, Bill Nye Saves the World. Wow. Set to premiere, well, it's coming out this week. I mean, the episode, but you have to check it out Absolutely. ASAP. It will be on. It will be on by the time this is out. So oh, please, when this is out, it's on. Please, you know what I mean? Please watch episode two and 13. Our friend is Don't watch any of famous. the other ones. Two and 13, baby. Those are the ones with our girl. Two and thir- it's our friend is... We have a, fr- a friend that is fa- going to be famous. We have a friend who's famous, which is so just fun. Just so, like, it's not a regret I and have. It's like, I, I will never have that regret of, like, having yeah, a friend. I have a famous friend. I see her. And I've been with Joanna, though, and literally she gets recognized. Oh, my God. Wait, I've been with her. Remember at the Lego store we were oh, together? Yeah. And, the, like, a girl came up. I literally took the pictures because I was like, I have a famous friend, and that's fine, and that's us. And, and she's so sweet to them. They're so sweet. And my it's so favorite. crazy that people, like, look at her. My favorite part you know? is that the two of you are at the Lego store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, what the fuck That's were you true. guys doing at the Lego It was store? raining. We were like, Lego store. We must. I really just wanted to understand the concept. And I was yeah. like, Jesse, we had our coffee. Mm-hmm. We had our fun. We got to go. We got to go explore Lego. Yeah. This Lego store. It's it's very self-explanatory. It's just yeah. a bunch of Legos. <laughs> Listen, it's, uh, the, but what they do in there, can we call it art? Can we call it art? There are dragon Legos. I'm talking. Oh, they have a whole. So I like mean, a it's, specialist it's a lot. So, Joanna, just so you know, we do a regret of the week. We're going to do our regret of the week, and then we're going to get to your nice regret, and we're going to have a fun conversation. I love this. I love that. It's regret of the week, baby. <laughs> Sit tight. And as I like to say, Sit tight. Yep. That's what Jessie was going to do. That's her favorite joke. She just repeats the same. It's going to get old, guys. We're going to see. It. I don't know if it will, though. Uh, do you want to start? Sure. So I did a little bit different from my regret of the week because it's my last week in my 20s. I'm turning 30 on Monday. Yikey. So I tried to do a regret. Yikey, mama. <laughs> I, as Jessie will tell you, I've been 30 since I've been 12. So it's really she not, really the, you know, it's not so much of a difference. But um, so I tried to think of like a what's your regret I have for my 20s. Right. Like all those all those lists of like things you're supposed to do before you're 30. Mm. I hate 99 percent of the things they say on that list. Like I'm just I'm not that social. I can't do it. But I will say 
I have two regrets, one broad and one per and one, you know, a little more personal. Yeah. One, it, the first one is I wish I quit uh, doing spoken word poetry earlier. <laughs> Well, I quit at like 24 and I wish I just like knocked it right out when I left college. I wish I didn't go. I actually, after I graduated college early, I went back to coach the team as a graduated I'm Honestly, person. this is my favorite fact about you that I've ever heard in my life. I wish I quit it earlier. Uh, it was I such know. a depressing, sad situation time. for me. It and was so- also probably very <laughs> confusing <laughs> time. Uh, a lot of breathing. I started to do comedy. Comedy, you know, um, that's not comedy. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's my personal regret. And then the larger regret is that I didn't, uh, according to the list, I was supposed to have a workout routine way earlier. Ooh. I was supposed to not enter my thirties with a ro- without a workout routine. And I'm, I'm flailing and I'm failing. The fact that, I mean, what's a routine? I'll say that. I, I don't know if for me, I guess my routine is I walk in the gym, I go to my my machine i speak to no one and then i leave jesse has <laughs> a machine. machine or you or you poop your poop your brains out of that one too that's after though <laughs> not before my friend no well i mean i'll say this i instead of having a work routine i wish i just like started to work out okay, okay i'll take like that. that and yeah. that i'll take <laughs> that and take. that i'll take that's I very easy you could change that tonight Today, but now i'm gonna turn 30 and can i <laughs> and can i and can aren't I? you stuck in your ways when you turn 30 well, i'm so stuck in my ways. no one's changing at 30 so jesse what's your regret of the week you know i thought about it and i said to myself it's sunday sunday is my regret of the week because i have this thing where i like to just be around people i like to be doing things if i'm in my bed too long i go am i in a depression again because i'll tell you what when i was mama didn't leave bed you know what i mean mm-hmm. and when i did it was a slow long hard draining miserable process so I said but I was tired and I said I'm gonna lay in bed on Sunday which was like a beautiful day and people kept saying it's so beautiful out so beautiful out and I was like but is it beautiful or am I gonna stay in bed all day Mm -hmm. and I did stay in bed all day pretty much and then I felt like ooh, was that bad (laughs) I felt like ooh, was that bad I think I regret it because I don't know what relaxing is I don't think I know what it is and I I don't think it can be for me lying in a bed that's what I'll say I think for me it can be a long long slow walk in the park but I gotta get up I don't think it's I can't are you the same way Joanne I feel like I'm literally the same person so funny I'm the moment I'm most relaxed is when I'm working I'm like yes I got work I'm relaxed and then when it's like a Sunday and I'm just chilling I'm like this is death. This is what death feels like. <laughs> Can I ask an honest question? Yeah. Because you both you both have ADD. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do we think of that? Because I I'm surrounded a lot I of comedians I know. It. So many comedians that I worked with have ADD or dyslexia, which mm-hmm. Jesse both has both had. And Thank I'm you. I'm in the opposite. I'm like don't I don't want to be near a human. It's very hard for me to be near people a lot. Mm-hmm. And you two are always like social, social people, people, people. Absolutely. So I wonder yeah. if it's like a thing of because I feel like your brains are always going. You're always on the next thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to be laying, it's like, it must feel The brain very, is just going, I, I think. The only way I can concentrate on, on like, a show, for example, is mm. if I'm drawing or playing a dumb <gasps> game on my I iPhone. always am playing Sudoku or oh. I'm coloring. I can't just watch something because no, my I brain can't. gets I'll distracted. No, I can't. I'll lose it. I need to it. do two things at the same time in order for me to focus. That's what I say. I always brainstorm at the gym because I'm like, if I'm... Just sitting brainstorming, I can't brainstorm. But if I'm doing something else, I can be brainstorming. Yes. <gasps> there Jesse. you go. Oh, my I'm God. Different. <laughs> and different. I, what is different? I am. I am different. I am different. Poems rhyming. Poems, 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 <laughs> breath. Yeah. Life. Oh, God. Every friend I I've tell you what, used it's to have. true, though. Um, 
It but is true. no, it's fine because when me and Jesse have had to get to that place as partners mm-hmm. where it's like we're very different. Yeah. And I, you know, but now we're in a happy medium. I think we, really we, are. we realize of who we are as humans. Yeah. Right? And how your brain works is, is something that you have to learn about yourself. Yeah. And it, you, you know, growing up, I, I didn't realize that in, I, the way that I function is very particular and it can't be compared to anybody else. Right. So I know my brain as, like as an adult now way more and I know the tricks to trick my own brain you know yeah, what I mean because yeah. I can feel very depressed very quickly if I don't keep myself busy mm-hmm. and I can also get really sad if I am not around people so what do I do I just trick my brain and I'm busy and I'm around people literally all the time to to just f- like scare the depression away my mom <laughs> says when I haven't heard from you and when you're really busy I know you're happy mm-hmm. is that a healthy thing I don't that's so funny because my, that's mom, my mom literally goes, slow the fuck down. You're going to be miserable. <laughs> it's so funny. That's why we, we, we like, if yeah. we see each other in a weekend, it's a big deal because I, big deal. I need like to be by myself. My boyfriend yeah. is, my boyfriend is like that. He can be with me, but um, he regenerates by being at home yeah. and yeah. just, just being in his, his little pajamas and his little flip flops with the socks on. Yep. And I'm like, I wake Rough. up and I'm like, um, I need a go run yeah or be exhausted or go to a museum or be with a friend or be eating i just need to be doing something <laughs> yeah to stimulate my brain because if not i'm gonna start thinking about things overthinking mm-hmm. and just you know i need i just need to live my life i can't just like be the concept of just being is exhausting exhausting like well, sometimes on vacation i'm so stressed because my parents are like let's go to the beach and we'll just sit there and i'm like um by sit do you mean not move <laughs> and then i'm like okay i'm gonna lose it do I bring a magazine? What kind of magazine? Am I writing? Am I writing things? I'm going to go on a walk. I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to go on a walk. I like have to give myself things listen to, to do. Listen to a podcast. Yeah. The thing is, it's like this one. Yeah. I will say again, as I'm turning 30, nobody recognizes this in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. one looks at a friend and goes, that's what you need. That's what I need. Yeah. That's Regret. why you get a lot of fights. Yeah. You get a lot of fights. Yes. Yeah. You know, I used to get frustrated with some of my friends. Like, you don't want to hang out with me? And it's like, you know what? That person needs to be hanging out by herself in no the house. idea. And I totally understand that. Or this person is just more of an introvert. Or, yeah. yes. you know, every, every person is so different and needs different things. And I think the friendships that I have now in my, like right now are the healthiest and I think about my friendships earlier in my life and they were weird. Totally. Yeah. They're codependent and it, it, I, you know, you, you form yourself to the person cause you want friends versus totally. people respecting who you are right. and how your brain works. Look, look at how you were able to describe Jesse so quickly. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> A lot like, of oh, my metaphors have to do with drowning and let me explain. <laughs> <laughs> let me explain. I think that in your early twenties, okay, you're exhausted and you're in a pool. So you are flailing. You're, you're flailing, flailing, you're like flailing, you're grabbing people yeah. as like anyone you can grab, which really you're all sinking each other. So you're grabbing, you're sinking, yeah. you're flailing, you're grabbing. Then when you come 30, you go, I'm going to relax, which by the way, then you float. Am I wrong? Then you float. I, I mean, especially like if you're I'm in the floating. dead sea. Exactly. You're in the dead sea, you're floating. And then the people that you cross, like you choose to cross with, but it's like, because you're able to relax about it, you're not. Like it, in your twenties, I would describe as just exhausting because you're 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 trying to survive. Yeah, yeah, it's oh. very hard. You're not just trying to survive economically or whatever. You're trying to survive in the sense of trying to figure out your place in the world because in your early early twenties, you're like, oh my god, the world is my oyster. Yeah, middle like mid twenties, you're like, the world is a dumpster fire. What the fuck? Mid twenties is the worst. And then late 20s, you're like, okay, now I think I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I just got to practice what I preach because I preach a shit ton. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We all go to that podium before we're ready. And we're preaching. Um, we're, le- we're learning and we're preaching. Absolutely. We're we're preaching. Absolutely. Well, this was a beautiful opener. Joanna, we want to know about your regret. Yeah. You know, I originally before coming in today, I was I was thinking really hard about my regret and I realized I don't really feel the feeling of regret very often. My mm-hmm. boyfriend feels regret all the time and I'm always very mad at him. Mm. And I say, uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Like, I hate that concept. But I realize that I do have regrets. I just always try and find the learning point in it. So it's never a regret. But I actually have a regret. And it's embarrassing. And I was going to tell a story that was, like, very uplifting and very, like, great about, like, you know, not feeling uh, ready in the world. But, you know, I'm going to tell you a real story. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> I love that. that. Is the, I don't, That's I, what we're here for. I don't know what the fuck the um, lesson is behind it. It's just an incredibly we're gonna find embarrassing it. story. We're going to find it. We'll see if we find it. So in college, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint you a picture. It's uh, my junior year of college. Um, it's, you know, fall. And I'm very insecure. I've had one boyfriend in my life. And he was not great. And mm. <laughs> and um, he was just, I mean, I'm sure he's fi- he's a fine person. He's just literally the worst person for me. Holla, did you hear that? Did you hear that <laughs> yeah. car? The car honked. And it's like, I, I've dated He was him like, like well, one uh, boyfriend? How? <laughs> <laughs> one boyfriend who was uh, far too pop. Like, I needed, a, I needed a nerdy cool guy, not yeah. like a cool, cool guy. Well, mm-hmm. um, I was very insecure. And um, I had a very big crush on a young gentleman um who was a year younger than me and he was an asshole to be totally honest with you Mm. let's call him (sighs) alejandro okay okay alejandro we're here alejandro um he was a latin jew just like me in my college and for me i was like you know this is perfect you know and he was an attractive man um, but he was uh, morally bankrupt, and I, <laughs> I just, just ignored that because yeah. well, I was insecure. Sure, sure, sure. Such I, a funny term. I'm sorry. It's like he had nothing. Yeah. He had nothing. He was like he was in the negatives. Yeah. Um, but for me, I was like, oh, I think that's how men are, right? They're supposed to be morally bankrupt and yeah. treat women like shit. That's that's the stasis. That's love it. I genuinely wish my young self could see my boyfriend now and realize what uh, she deserved. Yeah. But you know what? Let's just wait a second for that. Um, anyway, so I had a very big crush on this um, monster. And um, he was in the same survey class I needed to take t- for my history major. And uh, he missed a, the first couple weeks of class. I didn't know why. Um, but then he texted me and he was like, hey, girl, like, what's up? And I'm like, hey, boy. <laughs> and um, he was like, yo, I like I know that we have like a paper due on Monday. Um, I was wondering if like maybe I could go to your house and like hang out and like talk about it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I yeah. go take a shower, shave my legs, obviously. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, I get all cute and I put on makeup and then he arrives and he had never been that nice to me. He was actually kind of a dick. But that day he was being so sweet to me, so kind. And I was like, oh, my God, I think he likes me now. Um, and the ridiculous uh, part of this story is that he started hitting on me for the first time in my life because he had never hit on me, even though I liked him. And then like we like kissed and whatever. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe this is happening. And then after all this like romance, he was like, Hey, do you think you can send me your essay? Just because 
I I already wrote mine. I just I haven't been in class and I just want to make sure that, you know, my essay is like on par with what you guys have been. And I'm like, oh, my God, of course, mm. oh God, you man, like you sweet child. Of course. Oh, my know. God. We just my lover. Out, we just made out like in my room and like you're my next boyfriend. And this is amazing. <laughs> Jump cut to Monday morning. So um, and. I'm in class, and by the way, this professor already hated me. Um, it was it was a the Ottoman it was an Ottoman Empire um, class. He hated and, himself, or she hated him. Um, he he really he had already inter- like he really he genuinely didn't like me. I this had never happened to me in my life, but he he didn't like me already. And um, you know, this was I think uh, the second class after we were hanging out in my room with Alejandro, and the professor. It, when class is dismissed he's like uh alejandro and joanna can you please wait can you please stay oh, um, oh. and i was like yeah of course and he's like do you think i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> and he's like do you do you think i'm a fucking <laughs> oh my God. idiot and i'm like uh, what <laughs> and he's like you guys plagiarized like like th- this is the ex these two essays are exactly the same <gasps> with some like prepositions changed and you realize that this can get you kicked out of school. No. And I was like, I didn't know what to say. And I was like, cause I like this guy, but I wrote my essay. Yeah. This was my essay and he had just copied it and used me. And so I was like, listen, I think this is a huge misunderstanding. And then, Alejandro was like, hey, like we worked on this essay together. Like, and I was like, you fucking asshole. And I said, actually, no, we didn't work on this essay together. Um, but then I was like, but I think it, this is a big misunderstanding, but I didn't have the balls to say the truth. Yeah. And then the oh. teacher's like, I'm going to fail you out of this class <gasps> and you're not going to get your major. And then he walked away. And um, for me, my that's one of my biggest regrets is is not standing up for myself. And I think it just comes from the sense of insecurity and feeling like I deserve to be treated like that. But looking back, I'm like, girl, what? Like, that's insane that you did. That's an insane thing that you did. And that, and that you, you, you protected someone that genuinely didn't care about you. And, um, I will, that was a really big regret of mine is, is, is I, I, I knew in the back of my head, this guy was taking advantage of me and I just didn't, yeah I didn't Ugh. own up to it. And then, um, I, I did afterwards have the courage to go to the professor and Good. explain to him that like, I didn't know he was going to copy my paper and he was like, I'm still going to give you an F on that paper, but you can still pass. <laughs> you can still pass Bless the class. Him. I'm so if- glad I wasted time on that paper. <laughs> yeah. So I passed a class. I mean, I got like a B, but like, you know, that, that paper really i had a great gpa and um and um um for me that was one of my biggest regrets that i think resonates with so many of my regrets which was i think not treating myself the way that i think i deserve to be treated and not defending myself and it's so weird but right now my boyfriend is so important in me checking the world he's like you don't deserve to be treated like that or like don't let that person treat you like that and it's so sad that like i had to wait to be with him to like to, to understand my place in the world and how I, I deserve better. But, um, I genuinely felt like that was all my fault. And then, um, I regret not, I really regret not standing up for myself in that instance. 
this guy's a motherfucking piece of shit. Yeah, I genuinely <sighs> and I and I look back and I remember my now boyfriend liked me back then. And I said no to him because like I like boys like this one. And that's the the like a macro regret is I thought that these people were good for me and not the people that But really- you you had to you had to learn. I'll say that. It, it you know, or then you would have regret not being with the hot guy. Yeah, you I know? needed to go through that horrible stage, and then, I mean, he wasn't good at all, though. I mean, no, he was real—he was, was real. Shit. What the fuck does he do now? What is he? I don't know. I think he lives off his parents. He yeah. generally doesn't do okay. anything. Is that not a, Is that a shock? That he's living <laughs> off somebody else? Uh, not Sounds for like me. down the road. He, he living off working. You know, I think as a woman, though, it is very difficult. I have to check myself like all the time all about the time. like, am I respect? Am I like? Am I conducting myself in like a way that I, what is it? I'm standing up for myself. I'm, I'm not apologizing for things. I'm like doing my business. I'm doing what I'm uh, like, what I should be doing. I don't need to apologize. Like I work hard. Like, am I giving myself respect? And then it's obviously easy to see in my friends or other people. It's I so think. much easier yeah. to have perspective on other people's situation. I genuinely, if this had happened to my friend, I'd be like, girl, what the hell are you doing? I but know. I'm in it and I all I want is approval and someone to like me and for me to feel good about myself. And 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 then, and then in, in reaction to it, you end up fucking yourself over. Yeah. 100%. Every day I'm like, Tracy. Don't say you're sorry. We like, look in day. the mirror. Give yourself a pep stock. I'm sorry if that was aggressive the way I said that to you. And then we're a like, pep, a, I, pep yes. stock, a pep stock. A pep stock. Yeah. This is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> did I say pep stock? You did. Probably. Uh, too, I, I need I'm you to too. pep yourself up to stock other <laughs> yes. human beings. Absolutely. Pep yourself up to stock. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pep talk and a, a pep stock. And a, wait, what's the stock? It was just a moment. I think I love it. Interesting. Um, a stock. No, we always catch ourselves like I we cut that know, out. <laughs> you know, as like somebody who has to advocate for yourself as as like comedians or whatever, you have to always advocate for yourself, always advocate or like, you know, to do this job, you always have to advocate yourself. And whenever we're in meetings, we always have to be like, would we said this today. We're like, would a man talk like that? Would a, like literally would a man in our position feel like they had to like lie to right. get an answer or, or the amount of exclamation points, just wondering, would just you mind checking, the word just, mind? just, I know it's fucking insane. I feel like I'm a guest in this world. Oh, wow. You know when you're, what a soundbite. You know, when you're a guest in someone's house and you got to be very cautious and careful yeah. and apologetic that's how I feel in the world. We got to start hosting, baby. And you got to start and hosting. It, there's no reason to. This and I catch house. myself like, oh my God, thank you so much. Oh my God, yeah. Oh my. This is our world as well, mm-hmm. but we are uh, conditioned to yes. feeling like guests in a world that isn't really owned by women, right? Yeah. So I, I really am very conscious. And I think we, us three, we yeah. are. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that I'm not guilty of apologizing when I don't need to and feeling guilty when I don't need to. I'm like, I hate staying in people's houses because I feel like I owe them something and I can't yeah. live my life mm-hmm. in a world where I feel like that. Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is like, I think, you know, all of us, especially in college, dated the, the dick, dated the asshole who was like, you know, sort of like, he was so like, I was like hot to like be treated that way. And then you look back and you're like, you know, I, luckily I think in this room we all had, you know, I believe fathers who were mm-hmm. there the best uh, now that it matters <coughs> honestly because 
you know, you could be raised by a single parent. I'm not trying to say that. Um, you know, my boyfriend was raised by a single mother is the best boyfriend we've ever seen. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like people think that it comes from your parents or your father, your relationship. It's not that it has, it's comes from society. Like it comes from this idea that like you, you you want to you feel like they're gonna give you something or that you have to get their attention like I remember like and I'm a pretty aggressive person I feel like Mm -hmm. and I'm just like I still was like being pushed around by this asshole and I'm like what the fuck was I Mm -hmm. doing you know but I will say this like I know you said yes I think it is society I do think that um your I think people are predisposed to different things and everyone's so different so maybe you know if I was a single parent, let's say hypothetically, and I had a kid who just was predisposed to be a good person, right, yeah, yeah. it didn't really matter if um, if he had a father or not. Like this person, right, would just right. Be good. I do think that um, in general, in particular, women who don't have a male in their life that tells them that they're great, they tend to in this world that isn't ours most yeah. of the time mm-hmm. feel indebted. And feel like they are they deserve to be treated poorly. And my my mother always told me my mother's dad, um, my grandfather was a, a very big advocate for her, and um, she didn't have a great experience with her first husband at all. He was an asshole, and um, he he told my mom like, "You don't need anybody. This is your mm-hmm. family, and you can always come home." And that was when she had the strength to leave him. And I think that so few people in the world I feel have that, and yeah. I think. Um, a, a parent like parents really do have a big um effect on people that maybe could be one way or another they could yeah. be in you know abusive relationships mm-hmm. it could I really do think as a kid I thinking about my mom and my dad and their effect on me like they made me feel like yeah I dated assholes but I never I never had like this was the biggest abuse I've had and I you know that whatever right. it wasn't even my a guy that I dated like this guy was I I erased him from my life, but there's, I have so many friends that don't have great parents and, or their, their father's not in their life or their mother dated horrible people. And I see them mimicking the same thing that they saw growing up. And it's, it's just so sad. I think you go one way or the other. It's like, if your parents are a smoker, you're either going <laughs> to, like I always said that, like yeah. I had friends whose parents were smokers. It's like, they were like puffing and puffing or they're like, I'm never going to touch it. I fucking hate it. Yeah. Don't yeah. smoke a cigarette. That's a really, actually, that's a very intelligent you know what I mean? observation. It's, it's not, yeah. it's not this, it's not, it's like, it's, yeah. oh, it's like, it's like the extremes. It's either right. you like that or, or you avoid right. that at all costs. I think something I learned as an adult, which was like very big for me is like that. I'll always have to save myself. Like ultimately people mm-hmm. and my father and men in my life can tell me, you know, you deserve more, but ultimately I'm the one that's going to be in all mm-hmm. those rooms. I'm the one that's going to be like I run my life I Mm -hmm. am myself and I need to be able to save myself I need to be able to say I'm going to say it a certain way or I know what I deserve right because that's the person that needs to do it like Mm -hmm. people can tell you over and over again and until you believe it it's nothing and then when they're not there doing it because they have things going on in their life like I you need to be able to do it so it's reminding yourself like I am worth it am I happy in this? Like, do I feel valued? Am I growing from this? Mm -hmm. And then being like, I deserve better and I can figure my way out of this. Well, I think the best thing my father ever told me was you don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're great. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't, you don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. You just got to trust yourself. And that is, that is, I think 
the wisest thing I learned. Well, it isn't like find find some find no it's yeah. you don't need it you don't need anybody if you want people in your life that's mm-hmm. great but you right. don't need anything other than yourself yeah it makes having a relationships a lot easier yes when there's when you don't feel like there's a pressure need. yeah well, when when there's a need it becomes unhealthy right. it's great yeah. to feel i love i love the feeling that my boyfriend doesn't need me right because he wants me around and right. i don't need him but my life is so much better with him yeah. around. I mean, it, and it, it's a choice and feeling like a choice every day actually feels great because I clearly make his life better and vice versa. It isn't an, an, a codependent situation that if it gets bad, you're still there or right, if, yeah, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. it has to be a choice every day. And I think it, that's the best is waking up and being like, absolutely. This is what I want. Not <laughs> I need this. Oh my God. You know what? A, and what that's a, any relationship. I hear my friends say mm-hmm. they're in jobs that make them miserable or even friendships, friendships, yeah. that, but they don't, but I'm, then I'm like, are you looking like, when are you leaving? And it's like, they feel stuck when it's like, you're not, you know, you can make a choice. You are smart enough. You're going to be able to find another job, you know? Yes. So go, so leave. So choose happiness. Mm-hmm. It's you guys, listen, Kurt, Russell and Goldie Hawn. Wow. What I'll, a reference I'll about reference to come them. at you. <laughs> They've been together for like 30 some odd years. They both had marriages beforehand and everyone's always like, why aren't you married? Why aren't you married? Why aren't you? And they were like, because it's, I lo- they, they're much happier having the choice. I always say that because people look at me and they're like, why aren't you married? You're with them for six years. Why aren't you married? It's like this one of those things of like, I always was like, I wake up every day and I go, I choose you. And the day we always say, if it's the day we don't choose each other, we'll deal with it then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's a much easier way to be. That's why I like freelancing, though. I will say the job <laughs> thing gets hard. It really, it really it does. does. Like having it, you yeah. do like when you're working a full time job and you're sitting there, you get sort of stuck. You know, I get, I, get, I really don't like it. And jobs, <laughs> and I think friendships. I've had to let go of wonder of wonderful people that are bad for me. Yeah, totally. And it's it's something that my as we were talking about earlier, early twenties, I didn't have the perspective of saying this person isn't making me feel like a great. Per, this person doesn't add anything it actually she actually or he actually subtract subtracts to my happiness or my life yeah. there's right. literally no point in having this person around even though they're cool or they have cool interests or they're cool people they're just not good for me and i think it all goes back to that regret and i regret having people that um took energy and self-esteem away from me and i had yeah. a lot of those i had so many of those people and now i'm very aware and I purposely I get friend crushes all the time. Right. Like I had a friend crush on Jesse before I even became her friend. And then yeah. I had a friend crush on Tracy <laughs> Thank you. because oh. I was like, these people make me feel so good about. And I hope I, I do the same for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think um, friendships are the example of the simplest relationship you need to have in your life. A relationship with your job is always complicated. A relationship with your family can get complicated. A relationship with Pretty much everything except for friendship can get complicated. Friendship needs to be the simplest relationship that you have. Wow. Mm. Look at that. That's interesting because I I think that is true. But at the same time, like my longest friends that I've had, we've gone through many and an up and down and they've been complicated with people going in and out of their life and sort of watching them change and um, figuring out how to just to hopefully stay in their life and and find your new place since but everyone's haven't evolving. Haven't you found that with maturing, your new place is a simpler place? Like it isn't. I don't know. I I was very caught up in many of my friends, and then 
uh, we've had very difficult times and tumultuous mm-hmm. times together. And then the new friendship we've created is one that's more simple and more, it, it's just like, I don't know, it's like clearer. Well, then aren't yeah. we all clear? I think when you get older and you're like, I, you know, it's very hard when you're young to go, no, I don't want to do this. No, this isn't for me. No, I don't need, I don't want to go out. I'm not that person. Like I, if I was very aware of myself when I was younger, I would have known I need a lot of time to re readjust. I need a lot of time away from people, but I didn't realize this until like a year ago. Mm -hmm. So it's like one of those things where you're like, I think things seem simpler because you've become older and you become like, I know what I need. Yeah. Like being for a woman to be able to go no, like, you know, in terms of like anyone should, for anyone to be able to go no, I don't want to do something as big. But especially for women who are always told to be like complacent and mm-hmm. and and go along with the flow. I don't know. I think the older you get, guys, the brighter and the easier it gets cuz you stop caring, you start caring more about what you want. Yes. It makes you feel good and I, less about what anyone else fucking wants. I have uh my one of my closest friends did something really terrible to me and i genuinely don't think i can ever go back to that friendship and that's something that if i were a little younger i think i would have buckled under the pressure of keeping this very um treasured relationship but as an adult i'm like i genuinely don't know if this is worth it um and i I gotta reassess the situation and i have no problem cutting this person out of my life because that's what life is you gotta sometimes let things die and you can't grasp onto something that's flying away from you so it it's it's uh i think what we were talking about like the 20s is a time of like reassessing what makes you happy and reassessing yourself but also letting go of things that don't make sense and sometimes that's that hurts yeah right but sometimes it's the best thing long term. Right. Right. Man, guys, we were at like, we we're going to take a little break. That was deep. <laughs> Welcome back. Kick your feet up. Grab a drink and do me a favor. Listen tight. <laughs> okay. Listen <laughs> tight. I don't know what that means. Listen up. Sit tight. Listen tight. Clench your ass. Listen tight. Clench <laughs> your asshole. Honestly, Listen I love tight. that. <laughs> That's what my immediate, immediate was like, I'm clenching, doing Kegel. I'm doing something down there. Listen tight. What we're here with, oh, we're back with Joanna. And we are tight with her. And we are are back. Clenching her asshole right now. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for that imagery. That's what I needed. I feel like when someone goes, I'm clenching my asshole, my asshole immediately clenches. If someone's like, it's weird. It's like, even if someone's like, I've been kicked in the ball, I'm like, Ooh, like my, you know what I mean? I think it's a very involuntary area. Yeah. I mean, because think about it, we've all shit our pants, and we've all shit the no. bed. <laughs> we have, baby. Well, you haven't shit your pants recently? Never. Oh, and I genuinely you, have never. I'm no. just thinking. Sharded, sharded. You've no, sharded. I swear. And this, you've sharded. I no, I swear I have not. Maybe I have. I and have. the life. Of famous people, they're not something? like us. Can I say something? No, no, okay. it's a regret. You. You're gonna you. regret that because Isn't sharding that is a feeling though? where that you humble crazy. yourself. No, I've thrown up in in oh. public several times. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, so you're so you're an up. I'm a I'm down. An upper. I'm yeah. an upper. <laughs> I vomit in trash cans when I'm yeah. feeling sick. <gasps> I I forgot who there's a stand up. I forgot who says you are an upper or down. I think it might be Chelsea Peretti, but that i i do you're an up you you vomit if you're vomit. sick you vomit yeah like i i eat a bad sandwich or bad sushi i'm gonna vom wow i'm other way yeah me too and you mm. know when i know it's really bad when i think i'm going both 
<laughs> that's called the double dragon. Oh, the, it's called oh, oh the sink of the, the sink of the toilet. It's, it's uh, when yeah, the sink of the when you bend over. The, I had when I was a kid, I had something like that. And my, my mother's friend was babysitting me, and she literally came in. She was like, "I want shit and vomit <laughs> in the trash can at the same time," and it really made me feel so much better. It's on the mm-hmm. toilet, and I felt oh. so good. We're not gonna get through a podcast. We're not talking about something no. bodily movement. Um, sorry, sorry about it. Sorry, not tighten sorry. Up. Let's tighten, tighten tight. up. Tighten it. Tighten, tighten it. it. Tighten it up. I remember uh, I normally want to take all my clothes off when I'm vomiting. Oh, 110. That's me. 110. I love to feel naked. <laughs> there are times when I'm sick, I'm like, I, if, you know when you get immediately hot and you're like, well, yes, and this is what I'm it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, absolutely. I drink water from a mountain in, in Caracas, Venezuela. Um, mm. uh, while I was growing up there, I <laughs> drank some brag. water. And um, uh, 12 hours later, I was hallucinating <laughs> and I was, uh, my mother's face was really bi- like big and red and um, everything was just like enormous or tiny <gasps> and I was 12. So I <laughs> was tripping at 12 Oh my God. and it turns out I drank rat shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which gives you hallucinations if you um, metabolize it. So... Oh, welcome. Uh, <laughs> wait, oh wait, God. wait. So did, they did it look like, like water? Did it look like rat shit? It was just, no, I just, I drank out of a little water fountain that comes from a natural, like, source. Why would there be rat? Because, I mean, it's the mountains and there's the mountains. no filter. So did you, like, did they have to take, like, a stool sample or something? Yeah. And then um, my doctor in Venezuela, he had, it, it's a very particular type of bacteria that yeah. if I had, if I had come back, cause I was traveling to Washington DC that night, they would not have known what it was, but in Venezuela it happens pretty often. Oh my God. And so he, he was on the phone and he was like, yeah, no, I know what that is. She just needs to get on these antibiotics, but yeah, she's uh, hallucinating off rat shit. And <laughs> my mom was like, okay, cause that's really good news. Cause I thought she was literally possessed by the devil because yeah. i was like laughing by myself and like like mommy like it was like literally my mom was like i thought you were possessed like it was the creepiest yeah. thing i've ever seen in my entire life oh. um do you regret drinking the water fountain? yeah i never so i never drink from water fountains it, it traumatized me i, I was saying forever shocking i would yeah have rat shit you're not going back you you're never, never, you know, it's clear which no one knew it's it's clear. It's clear as no day. No one knew. Yeah. yeah well. No. I I never I never drink from water fountains. It was like traumatizing. I could see that. I also I never that. have sushi in Latin American countries anymore. Maybe Panama. Maybe. But I had sushi in Venezuela and I got amoeba amoebas. Oh my! Which God. is when your intestines bleed. No. And, um, basically, basically, growing up, I'm very Jewish and very not. My body's not a like made for. Oh, for, for Latin America's like uh you know uh bacteria no, so I got sick so many times and then but when I had amoebas uh, it was my cousin's wedding and uh. I was like there's no way I'm not drinking <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was that's one of my biggest regrets I partied <gasps> like there's no tomorrow this was after a week of just sleeping because I was on like no. medication like crazy wow and I I was passing out in the car because my body was like, you're you, you're trying to kill you. Oh What's my happening? God. And my mom was like, Joanna, did you drink? And I'm like, oh, yes. And my mom was like, Joanna, I told you, I told you only one champagne. And I'm like, I had like eight. And I'm like, you, she was like, you are a dumb teenager. You're going to learn your lesson. And I did because I was um sick for three hours after I got home and I was vomiting and 
everything else um, for a good three hours. What kind of, so you had raw sushi and so the sushi, the sushi. I think there's no like it's very difficult to know how long the sushi has been out where it comes from. Like yes. there's no really it, the regulations are very different back home. Yeah. So yeah, I got really sick off sushi. Like I legit, I lost like 15 pounds in a week. You I know what though? I need that diet. What is it? <laughs> oh, amoebas. Amoebas. <laughs> Mommy need amoebas. <laughs> I can't. My mother would, Jewish mother as well, would never let me eat raw sushi, uh, undercooked eggs, anything. Uh, we always had well done hamburgers. Now as an adult, I eat raw sushi and I can only eat it if I know I don't have a big thing the next day. Mm, that's so funny. It's called PTSD. Not PTSD. <laughs> PTSD. That's but that sounds insane. Jewish bodies can't handle what other like. Yeah, you know, like I, love, I was like my my Latin friends. They were like all like I've never gotten as sick as you. Also, I don't have the allergies you do to the environment. And I'm like, <laughs> well, because we were always migrating yeah. to escape persecution, so we never we never just like got with it. You know, when, never, when you're like, on the run, when you're, you're on, on the run, we're on the run. <laughs> we were eating fucking flat bread or some shit uh, matzah mm, don't right, have like, time for it to rise i know we couldn't wait for it to rise so now we're now we <laughs> gotta be gluten-free you know yeah it's absolutely just, well and 80 percent of Ashkenazi jews are um lactose intolerant so for sure um so lactate lactate you gotta i always forget and you know what if lactate isn't a sponsor we, we sponsor we it sponsor. so there we you sponsor go lactate. we really do um, indeed uh, so Joanna, what else? Uh, we 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 got a very heartfelt regr- regret. We loved we that loved regret. That. We said we love it. We learned. We didn't love we what loved. happened, but we, we loved love the it. discussion afterwards. Absolutely. So, is there any other regrets you want to get out? This is your time. It's regrets. Film. God is listening, and He hears you. I she hears think you. Very true. Oh man, she does. <laughs> um. So I think. Um, so when I lived in New York before I got my job at uh, Flama, mm-hmm. which is where I started making my YouTube videos, I was freelancing and I was like struggling a bit, but there was no point in the struggle that I enjoyed any part of it. And um, I think that's my actual like biggest regret because I, I still have trouble enjoying my life when I don't know what's happening next. Yeah. And um uh, I, I look back and I wish I had had more fun and I wish I had taken advantage of my freedom a little more, but yeah. I was so stressed with the future and uh, the uncertainty that I, I basically sabotaged my year of, you know, being a freelancer in New York and I should have just, I should have just trusted stuff more. I don't know, but I, yeah. I was very unhappy and I shouldn't have mm-hmm. been, I shouldn't have been. I think that freelancing is such an interesting, it's such an interesting thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, as a very anxious people, we were, I was very nervous to freelance. I was like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. Even though we, we set up so much of thing, you know, making yeah. sure that we could work together and work separately and all that stuff. And it's one of the things that I, it's interesting. Cause I always say like, I feel like my anxiety has gotten now that I've done the, the reverse, right? I think if you start freelancing, it's a, you start as a freelancer, it's a panic. But if you work full time and then go to freelance, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, because I think it's so interesting. I think my anxiety was way worse when I was working full time because I was like, every day is the same. So I could mm-hmm. think about three months in advance. But when you have worked this business, I'm like, well, I thought I had a gig and now it's now the company is faulted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. So I think I wonder if you would have worked Flama first and then free like you're like you're freelance now. Yeah. Right? And I'm not enjoying it. And, I, and wow, but, I really? can't, but I catch myself and not in not enjoying it. So like when I have a day off i'm like uh my life is a black abyss and 
that's such an irresponsible feeling. It's not irresponsible. Yes, it is because every day you have free, you do what you can when you, as much as you can work, and then you got to take advantage of the fact that you're free because you can't, once you're booked, you have no chance to breathe. So being unhappy in that time, I find it to be irresponsible because it's hurtful to me and it's useless. It's a useless feeling. Well, this is what I'll also say because I think I'm similar and sometimes I go, oh, because then when I'm booked, my freedom's gone. But I also go, uh, but then I'm doing what I love. So why wouldn't I be happy? Like when I'm working, I'm doing what I love, which is crazy. So why wouldn't I be happy then? And when I'm, you know, waiting, I'm waiting to do what I love. So mm-hmm. I should find something else I can do that I love in the meantime, but it makes sense that when you're working, you love it. Mm-hmm. And so when you're not, you're just hoping that you can work, do something you love again. But I think digging yourself in a hole is, which is what, ha- what I, my brain tends to do, is a counter, a, a counteractive, like Counter, yeah, counterproductive. Counterproductive. Thank you. Gotcha. Um, I think I have a tendency of really feeling like, oh my God, like what, what am I going to do today? Like I'm going to have to force myself to do all these things that are unnecessary. And you know what? I, I do kind of love that. It's just, it's, I think it's a, cause if I was complacent, I wouldn't be making all the stuff yeah. that I'm making. Right. I so, schedule my st- myself all the time, every day. At least work four hours a day. Even if I have like, I'm like, I'm going to write some stuff. I'm going to book some things. But I actually, now that you say that, I think it kind of gave me perspective because I don't know if I regret feeling like that because maybe if Thank I didn't feel you. like that, I wouldn't exactly say I'm going to shoot the Saturday. Exactly. Because that's when you, why? Because that's what, what you love. You want to do what you love. You're finding a way to do what you love. Maybe my biggest regret is being too hard on myself. Yeah. <laughs> being like, why are you unhappy? You know what? Maybe if I feel unhappy, it's because I really want to do what I love. Totally. I mean, you're taking this control. This is therapy, guys. This is, it is. therapy. Hi, welcome to Regrets. Well, we we always normally do a cheers to our therapist. That's a new thing we we're do, doing. Yes. Uh, do Pamela. Have, uh, do you have Pablo Goldberg. There you go. Oh, and, and then Julie. last, no, Julie and Pamela. Thank I'm you so much. I'm going to see Julie on Friday. like, you are literally a star. <laughs> <laughs> Start the podcast. Should we, should we, can, am I allowed to listen? I'd be like, girl, do you? Girl, no. Girl, <laughs> mine is a fellow Jewish Latino. Uh, I, can I say something? That see, that's an, and knows because I feel like I didn't know my therapist. Sorry, I didn't know my therapist was Jewish for like a long time, and then she all of a sudden she goes, "You know, I'm Jewish, right?" And I went, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like I almost was like, <laughs> like I literally was like, "I cannot believe you're Jewish." Like it, it just like. It makes it, it just like, I felt like I talk about that so much and it, 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 uh, it really connected. So so a Latino Jew, like, do you want to hear something crazy for me? You better say it right now. I felt super Jewish in Boston because I had this rabbi who was amazing and I did my bat mitzvah and it was (gasps) the coolest thing in the world. I read the Torah. I was the first woman in my family to read the Torah. Killing it. We had a guitar (laughs) at my bat mitzvah. It was amazing. I had a speech. I had a haftarah portion. Killed it. 13 candles? Tell me you did it. Of course I did. And then every candle I dedicated it to someone. Swag princess. But then (laughs) I moved to Venezuela and there was no um, reform synagogue. Everything was orthodox and I had to sit separate from my dad and it was like a nightmare for me because I was like, oh, I have to sit up here 
and I'm not part of anything. And I wasn't accepted to the Jewish school because my mother wasn't born Jewish. Ugh, and I was like, on, so maybe I'm not a Jew. So I, I stepped away from uh, yeah. Judaism for a bit because no. I, I it was like the same way I stepped away from being a Latina or the same way I stepped away from being an American. I always had to step away from my identity because I wasn't fully accepted. Mm. And now the Jew, the Jewishness that I love is the the New York centric Jew, which is yeah. like the Jew of like liberalism of, um, of of education of intellectualism of mm. of nar- uh, not narcissism. What, what is <laughs> it? Yeah, a little Narciss- bit. But also like when you think you're sick all the time. Hypochondriac uh, and neurotic. That's the Jew I am. I'm neurotic and a hypochondriac, and that's I'm very proud of it. And for me, my like Jewish side is really uh, critical thinking. Mm, like, yeah. it is God a thing? I don't know. Um, my, right, yeah, my, yeah. my Jewish grandpa who survived the Holocaust, he's like, I don't think uh, I don't like I don't think God's a thing. And I was like, Hey, grandpa, like, <laughs> shut what the do you fuck think? up. <laughs> <What do> you, <laughs> I was like, Hey, grandpa, um, what do you think about prayers? And he was like, I think that uh, humans should know that flattery doesn't work because wow. it's like because it's like you know uh hashem you yeah, are yeah. the greatest mm-hmm. in the world yeah. and he's like that should i don't understand how anybody could say that to anybody <laughs> if the god is real then he won't want to hear this so, <laughs> that's really interesting. And i was like that's a jew that's the jew i want to be it's yeah like, i don't i don't and then also very accepting and i think um, you know, uh, being like a, from a persecuted uh, background, I think it, it makes you feel very empathetic towards people that have a hard time now. Yeah, and you wanna you wanna stand up for people that are um, perhaps seen as evil or you know mm-hmm, or right. general generalized and and um, seen as a scapegoat. So yeah, that's that's kind of what I really like about my Jewish identity is being very sensitive to those that are perhaps seen as um as not great or or general you know like i i my muslim friends i feel like i'm closer to them because i'm a jew and i feel like that's so counterintuitive for so many people it's asinine i'm sorry when all this happened when like when when he became the president and everything you know and like all the 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 no fly the um muslim yeah. band and all yeah. of that i i, lo- I literally went, I lost my shit i lost my shit but i have i have people you know you know that i love or that i know or that you know i grew up in a very jewish neighborhood that think it's okay and it's like in what no, world no you can't in the same sentence have you know raised all these people and have been in this community that was mm-hmm. literally i grew up in a community where it was like oh, you know if you didn't say the holocaust every other day you weren't speaking. I mean, you know, if you didn't think the Jews like g- carried you on your whatever, it's like how could you, how could you not equate this? It's insane. I don't un- I where is the disconnect? Well, I, I have family members that share on Facebook things against Muslims, and I have to unfriend them because it is like, do you not know? Like, are you blatantly unaware of what happened to us? Like, I think that the fear of the fear of it uh, being one of, one of your own again makes you go, oh, let me see if I can highlight another when really what we have to do is remember that during the time that you're under attack, the only thing you're looking for is other people to go, this isn't right. Right. And so if you're in the privileged position that you're not being attacked or right. called out for something that you have no control over, you. I mean, I think it's... Um, it's scary. It's scary. It's scary. I mean, you can say it's scary. It is scary. Protests really scare me. But I go, I wish that 
I wish that people had done it for, you know, my people back then. And I hope that I don't look back and regret not standing up for what I know is right Mm -hmm. now. It's one of those things. I think that a lot of people, at least because, again, I'm a New York Jew born and bred. And it's one of those things where, you know, very Ashkenazi neighborhood. And it's all those things of like. Uh, people get very comfortable in their whiteness. Yeah. They get extremely comfortable in their whiteness. They they think, but the, but as I was, I grew up not realizing I was white. So it's this weird thing of like, I didn't, I got to college and I finally went, oh, I'm a white person. Like I was told in high school very often, you're a white person. Um, but mm-hmm. like, I don't, it wasn't something that's like, oh yeah, but no, but I'm a Jewish white person. That's a fucking completely different thing. But you don't recognize until you sort of grow up. It's the same thing of like in your 20s or you go, if, if you're lucky enough to have, um, or privileged enough to understand, to access education, you get to realize, oh, this is a thing and these are systematic ways of oppression, right. blah, blah, blah. But I think that a lot of people who don't force those type of conversations, they just get, if they are white Jews, they get extremely comfortable in their in their whiteness. They mm-hmm. choose their whiteness when they want to choose their whiteness. They choose their Jewishness when they yeah. want to choose their Jewishness. They choose persecution when they want to choose persecution. And it's just like, come boy, uh, get it together. All right? I, I agree. And it's it's been very difficult for me to see people that I very much think are great people and that I want to associate myself with um, genuinely stand for the actual opposite of what I stand for. Yeah, and um, it it has been very. And then also, this is from the Latino angle. Um, mm-hmm. I I've seen a lot of Latin Americans. I'm a very proud Venezuelan. You know, stand for things that I think are just inhumane and and um, mm-hmm. saying that uh these people aren't allowed here and like. It's it's even Venezuelans that I you know Venezuelans Venezuela is a really tough country it's it's going through really the worst time of its history and then um, I see them voting for Donald Trump and and I I know people that vote for Donald Trump and they say that they don't like illegal immigrants and I'm like you're an immigrant are you unaware of right do you realize that this anti-immigration rhetoric it is not isn't exclusive to people that aren't you you this includes you you are seen as a threat to many people that voted for this person this is anti-immigration rhetoric this isn't against a particular type of person so uh, people like to feel excluded of things that they don't want to be a part of instead of realizing that everyone that is persecuted or is seen as evil or is seen as a negative or whatever, you have more in common with them than you think. So yeah. And, 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 and there's this, uh, this sort of miracle or not miracle, uh, this, um, what is it called when it's like this absurd, it, it's insane that it happens. It's like a, um, a, not an amalgam. It's miraculous. A, it's not, but it's not good. It's like oh. a, the negative. It's, um, uh, it's not a mulligan. That's not what that's. That's, that's a not mulligan. It's but the, a, the concept is people that have the the least difference between them actually mm-hmm. hate each other more. Mm. So uh, the the nuance of differences actually makes you hate each other more versus someone that has nothing to do with you, like nothing about the culture, nothing about their nothing. You don't necessarily tend to hate that person, but when you have something very much in common with someone else, mm-hmm. but there's just that tiny difference, you the human beings tend to hate What's way more us? easily. And because hate is you just see fear. because you see yourself in them, but there's that difference that you're able to differentiate yourself from them <sighs> and uh, that that part of human nature is something that i think you everyone has to be self-aware of yeah i can't i think hate is just fear and i think that it's okay to to 
know that you're afraid of things all the time and you're afraid of whether it's, you know, you're afraid you um, aren't educated enough to speak about something. You're afraid that uh, you, you don't know like what is right in a certain situation. You're afraid of a group of people maybe because you don't have an experience with them. So you go, it can't be good when really it's like, or you just are sort of unaware or uneducated. I grew up in Virginia um, and I was one of six Jews in my high school. Everyone that I grew up with was Republican Catholic. Mm. Um, I think there was a, f- a few people of color. Uh, but I mean, I was, I didn't real. of course you don't realize, I think when you're, Growing up in that sort of situation. I mean, I knew I, w- I felt very different always because I was Jewish. Um, and then when I, I went to Syracuse for college and there was so many Jews and so many people of color and I was very overwhelmed and um, I was scared about everything. I was scared about everything. I was scared to take a woman's studies class because um, – my, somebody said like that means that you're gay and I was like well then <laughs> bye bye <laughs> and then I was like what am I scared I don't understand what I'm I don't understand what I'm scared of like but I was so scared of everything I was scared of everything I was scared of people thinking I was a certain way if I did a certain thing or hung out with a certain group of people um well, you're like desperately searching to fit in when you're yeah. when you don't know exactly who you are and- right as you grow up, you start realizing there's more people like you than you think. And I think that when you're growing up, you don't want to be different. You just no. want to fit in. And then when you get older, you're the only thing you're trying to do is figure out how you're different. Mm-hmm. You go, how am I different? How do I stand out? How am I not like everybody else? So it's so weird that you push it away for so much of your life and then you are searching for it mm-hmm. as an adult. I also, yeah, I, I, I also feel like... In terms of like identity is something, mm-hmm. you know, everyone wants to feel like they fit in or check a certain box. Yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been honestly kind of weird. Like in this past particular few years, I've felt, I felt very Venezuelan for many, many years. And then I've spent a lot of years in New York where I've made incredible friendships with mm-hmm. people that aren't Venezuelan that are from everywhere in the world. And I've felt like not very loyal to my identity sort of like letting that identity go but at the same time i i um i just feel more at home with people that are from everywhere and have so many different world perspectives and yes that doesn't mean i'm less venezuelan necessarily but yeah i'm my own type of venezuelan and i don't i don't necessarily need to check all the boxes of what a venezuelan yet usually mean i don't think anyone does but and then i'm an american and I'm very proud to be an American as well, and I don't uh, don't check the boxes of what probably an American in middle America thinks an American should be. So I think we always seek identity as a sense of belonging, but then we realize that identity is so complex that it scares us. And I think that's what you went through in college. It's yeah. like this identity thing is very complex, and I don't fit into any one place. Right. So what does that mean about me? And that's right. very frightening when you are just trying to find your footing in the world. Yeah, totally. It's a really scary thing. I think that there's, um, since I grew up in the city, it's, I'm not, I'm, even though I grew up and I knew, like, I'd I'd gravitate towards Jews. I I literally blocked out high school. Cannot tell you what happened in high school. (laughs) Can barely name a teacher. Don't know. (laughs) Um, like, and it's not like I had a hard, I didn't have a horrible time, but like, I was so involved in my Jewish youth group, I could tell you everything that happened there. 
cannot tell you like the classes I took do not know um but you know it was one of those things where I gravitated mostly towards I had friends of every type and in high school but like I gra- I was hanging out with Jews so much and now you know those are my friends now from where I grew up and um but I feel uncomfortable when I'm around uh when I go to like a uh, my boyfriend's family lives in in Virginia and it's you know more like it's not rural but it's not New York City you know what I mean but I feel um more uncomfortable I feel like oh I'm this is white white uh white and I and there's churches everywhere the amount of churches is sort of crazy it's it's, it's churches and fast food is it's, what it's, most of America yeah. is yeah. and I and I feel I am way more aware like I even when we were walking in the city today I was like can you believe it was I literally said I was like can you believe this like there's all these different types of people how wonderful it's almost like I feel way more uncomfortable being around I not being around a ton of Jews I can do that in my sleep but being around like just a ton of a ton of when everyone looks the same yeah it's very frightening it's not the way it should be I feel comfortable in in New York where there's literally every single type of person yeah. around me and mm-hmm. it, I'm not the norm and nobody's the norm exactly. and it's exactly. so comfortable and I just <sighs> there's mm. very few pe- there's very few places that I feel at peace and weirdly New York the least peaceful place in the world <laughs> yeah. is where I feel at peace because everyone is so everyone has a different story everyone's so different no one is fitting any Identity. No one's bothering no one you are, either. No, no one, one wants to talk Everybody to you. <laughs> that, that crazy guy that called you a bitch, he's calling everybody a bitch, no matter what race, like, gender, or, you know, religious affiliation. Like, no one cares. <laughs> it's one of those things. I went to New Paltz, which is a school, like, out, you know, uh, which it's it's a school, like, uh, right near Woodstock. It's an hour and a half outside of the city. It's the same situation. It's just, like, a hippie version of it. No one gave a shit what you wear. They'd have tattoos on their face. Yeah. They didn't wear shoes. you do whatever the hell you want. I need to feel like in that space where sort of no one's looking at me at all times. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I didn't actually, don't know if I enjoyed my bat mitzvah because I was like, this is too much attention on me. I couldn't deal with it. New York City is like the anti-bat mitzvah. It's, that's and New York City is the anti-bat mitzvah and mm-hmm. probably the place that has the most bat mitzvahs per capita. Exactly. Also, what what is that, you know, if you sit on a chair, you could be picked up. I, I mean, you could be picked, picked up, up at any time. On, on a horror whenever you know. Time. At any time. I always remind myself that. And you have an agila. And you hope and you... Nagiva. Oh, that's so nice. Well, Thank what a beautiful, what a deep, deep con. You never yeah. know with regrets where it's going to lead. You never know. You just follow that train and you go, I'm sitting on it. I'm buckled in. And, and nobody in. talk to me. <laughs> nobody this is talk a fucking to me. six train and leave me the goddamn hell alone. Leave me the goddamn hell alone. Um, Thank you so much, Joanna. Oh man. Thank you guys. You know, I'm a I'm I love you guys so much as <sighs> friends and as people and as comedians, and it's such a pleasure to be able to speak to you for this amount of time. And such an in depth, such nice we love you. You're a blessing. And, and uh, if you want to plug curse. anything, please plug. Oh yeah, please plug. Oh, um, plug. Let's see. Well, yeah, just uh, watch the Netflix show episode two and thirteen. Two and 13. I need a job. Um yeah. <laughs> and I have my series coming up on my own YouTube channel. Joe House 89, literally J O H O U S E 89. Thank you. Um, and Jesse and I will have some shows in New York yes, about when life is a little bit too much. Yeah. It's called Too Much. AKA Every Day. Every Day. So please watch out for that. Thank you. Watch out. We're coming at you like a bus. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Please, you know, listen, subscribe, live, and regret. <laughs> Bye. Forever. <laughs> This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Brett Boehm. 
For more podcasts, please visit foreverdogproductions.com.